Are you ready to dive into the powerful truth the kingdom of heaven has for us? Let's join our host, Ruth Hendrickson, for Real Truth with Ruth as we dive into the Word of God. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Ruth Hendrickson, and I run RHM International and also Ruth Hendrickson Ministries. So we want to just invite you to come with us on a journey to get to know the Lord better. I am a uh, pastor, I'm a speaker, I'm an author, but most of all, I'm a lover of Jesus. And so come along, join the journey. If you want to find out more, please visit my website, ruthhendrickson.org. And also sign up for that email list. Would love to have you as part of the family. And I promise not to bombard you with the emails. So anyways, let's talk about challenging the fear of the Lord. It's an area that, um, wow, it's always a challenge actually for me to teach on. It's not one of my comfort zones, you know, um, but let's start off this way. Do you ever come across passages of the Bible that you're not sure what to do with? Okay, do you ever come across some of those scriptures that you're just like, what do I do with this? Like, Lord, I don't even know where to put this. I don't know what to do with it. And so what do we do? We just usually keep reading and kind of pretend that they're not there because that's a lot more comfortable, right? Okay, or we can get brave and we can dive in and ask the Lord what he's saying. And so I I did a little bit of that braveness this morning and I dove in and took a look at um, took a look at a number of things. But before we dive into that, let me just say one of the things I've come to realize over the past number of years is that I've really grown and I have a pretty good um, perception of the love of God. There's always room for more, of course, but, you know, I, I think I've got a pretty good grasp on that. And um, this is partly because, you know, the movement in the churches, um, as, as I was raised and as an adult also that I've been involved in, we're, we're really comfortable with the love of God. There was a real move to come to know the father heart of God, to come to know who we are as sons and daughters of the most high God, to come to know our identity. And that is so absolutely important because prior to that, what we had was a lot of judgment being taught. And so there can be a, a you know, it, the, the scales could go either way. Okay. We need to always be looking at the fullness of God. And if we only teach on the judgment of God, we're going to go this way. And if we only teach on the love of God, we're going to go this way. But God always calls us to take the whole of scripture and, of course, the whole of who he who he is, you know. And so that really raises us up of sons and daughters of God, really knowing the father. Okay, really, really knowing the father. So if we want to truly know the father, the depth of that love, we have to understand his holiness. We have to understand the judgment. We have to understand all the different attributes. Now, some of you are going, well, I'm never going to understand all of that. That's true. We're not. This side of heaven, we're not going to get the fullness, but we can certainly keep growing in it. And that's what we're called to do. So here we go. Let's pray real quick, Heavenly Father. Um, we ask that as we go through this teaching today, that you would establish within us a healthy fear of you, God, that if we've been a little too far one direction, that you would just pull us back, that we would have that healthy fear. And we've been too much the other direction, God, that you would pull us back. Father, we want to honor you. We want to know you as God, as Lord, as King, as Savior, as Judge, as Father. Father, all the different attributes. We want to know the fullness of who you are. So, Father, forgive us when we've run from certain concepts because they felt a little too scary or we haven't know what, known what to do with them. And, and, Father, we just want to step into the fullness of who you are because with that, we also go further into our identity as sons and daughters. We are better able to carry the kingdom of heaven. We, we impact the world around us. So, Father, we want to go to the next level with you. 
So Father, just you have your way today. And Father, again, we ask that as, as we go through this together, that you just establish that healthy fear of who you are, that godly fear, the fear of the Lord, because that fear of the Lord is truth. And it takes us deeper with you actually drives us. The fear of the Lord drives us into deeper intimacy with him. And some of you need to hear that right now. I just feel the Holy Spirit saying to tell you that not to be afraid of the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord will actually take you into places that you would never go you know, without it. You know, it, it brings that balance. So the fear of the Lord will open doors for a relationship with him and to see things with him that you won't see otherwise. So, okay, we're going to take a section from the Old Testament and a section from the New Testament. So let's start with the Old Testament. Um, in Leviticus chapter 10, we have two priests and they're named um, Nabad and Abinu or Abu, Abu. Sorry, I have a tough time with these names. But anyways, Nahab and Adu. There we go. It's Adu. Um, these two men are actually Aaron's sons. And they forget exactly who God is, how he is to be obeyed, how he's to be honored, how he's to be worshipped. There's actually some speculation that they might have been drunk when they did what we're about to read about. But we don't know for sure. That's speculation. But let's read. So, again, chapter 10 of Leviticus, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Adu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. Just say right now, they burned the wrong kind of fire. That's really important. They burned the wrong kind of fire. So a great question for us is where, where or what have I offered to God that's something different than what he has commanded? Where have I offered him the wrong kind of fire? Okay, so let me summarize it this way. We cannot afford to take shortcuts with our walk with the Lord. Just say that right now. I cannot afford to take a shortcut in my walk with the Lord. So let's go back to Nadab and Adu, picking up with verse two. So the fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, hear that? This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. Okay, so keep all that in mind. Here we have two priests, sons of Aaron, going into the temple, not doing what they were called to do in the prescribed manner. Okay, we cannot afford to do things for the Lord flippantly. Okay, we cannot afford to let, let something come in the way of our giving the Lord our all. Okay, and so, so now we want to jump into the New Testament and we want to go to Acts 5, which is a very famous story of Ananias and Sapphira. and. I want to read you that section. It's a little long, but bear with me. It says, now there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought a part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Just say with his wife's consent. That's going to be really important. Then Peter said, to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do such a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell down on the floor and died. Everyone heard about it and was terrified. Then some young man got up, wrapped him in a sheet and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price 
you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she had died, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Okay, let's pull out a couple things. Um, so it's always confused me that God deals with certain sins and or people more harshly than others. Have you seen that? Okay, so I like what Wayne Barber says. He says, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of rampant immorality. Yet not all cities with such sins have been destroyed. Korah was swallowed alive for grumbling against the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Miriam, on the other hand, did pretty much the same thing. Yet her consequence was leprosy, which God eventually heals. And there's more. So those aren't, you know, those are a couple different instances, but there are more. So is it possible that when God is doing something new, that he will make an example of a sin for the benefit of future generations? Just a question. Is it possible that when God is doing something new, that he will make an example of sin for the benefit of future generations? So we have this tension here. We have this tension that God's not partial. He does not show any favoritism. He doesn't go soft on sin, never has, never will. And the truth is that sin will always be judged at some point. Might be immediate, might be down the road, but we don't get away with it. Sin will always be judged at some point. So Ananias and Sapphira, they're living in a time where the believers all around them were, they were really united. Um, they we're told that they were selling their land. They were giving the money to the disciples so that the disciples could distribute it as it was needed. Therefore, there were no needy among them because they were taking care of each other. Now, it's really important to understand that this was not a law and it was a mandate. It was a movement that was happening. Just say it was a movement. It was a movement. Therefore, there was not a mandate to sell that land. There was not a mandate to sell property. It was personal choice. There was not a mandate that they had to turn all that money over to the disciples. It was personal choice. And that's why Peter responds the way he does. In verse four, he said, the property was yours to sell or not sell. Just say it was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. So how could you do a thing like this? You were not lying to us, but to God. Now, of course, Ananias died right where he stood. Peter never laid a hand on him. God just added, acted. Now, one of the questions we get is how did Peter know what had happened? The Holy Spirit revealed it to him. He was speaking out of a depth of revelation from the kingdom of heaven and, and really you know, countering Ananias on what he had done. So then we go on and, you know, Ananias doesn't come home. And Sapphira's like, okay, what's up? What happened? About three hours later, she goes, and what happens? I, I love Peter's heart. And, you know, driven by the Holy Spirit, driven by the love of God, he questions her. He didn't condemn her. He didn't say, how could you do this? Like those weren't the first, first words out of his mouth. What he did is he questioned it. He's like, hey, Sapphira, is this, is this the full price? You see, she was given in that moment. 
She was given an opportunity to repent and acknowledge what they had done, but rather she kept to the agreed upon party line, what she and her husband had established. And because of that, she reaped the same reward as her husband did. In other words, you know, Peter basically says to her, hey, the same man who buried your husband, they're coming through the door and they're going to take you out too. And so she dies. So as I looked at this, I have to wonder how much pride drove their actions. You see, opening the door for the lie to form, that pride, opening the door for the lie to form, and maybe also opening the door for demonic involvement. So because remember, anytime we're walking in sin, it actually becomes a potential open door for the demonic. But either way, they chose a course that was not the Lord's. And that's that they, they had this whole plan of deceit and lies, probably driven by pride. Because there was no law, there was nothing that said that they had to sell that property and or that they had to give a portion or even or all, you know, all the money, let alone a portion to, the, you know, to the disciples. So they created this whole persona, probably trying to look good and look like they were walking with everyone else that they wouldn't be left out. So let's jump back to what Moses said to Aaron in Leviticus. He said, I will, this is what God had showed, said to Moses, which Moses went and he relayed on to Aaron. He said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. You see, true worship of God, and this is really important, true worship of God in any area of our lives will involve honoring him his way. Just say, I have to honor God his way. There can't be any shortcuts. There can't be any um, exceptions. We have to keep pride, you know, under our feet. We have to deal with the sin in our lives. Again, the pride has to be conquered. The tendency to lie and to fit in has to be brought into submission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's very important that there's not any flippancy, that we're not irreverent when we come before the Lord in worship. So let me put it this way, because I was trying to think of how we can we pull this in in a way that we can really understand the need for us to be pure, for us to be holy, for us to be standing before the Lord like this. So here's here's a concept. When you go into surgery, you want everything in that surgical suite to be clean, right? I mean, good grief, even your body scrubbed down. You do not want anywhere for infection to set in, because if something's not sterile, what happens? It invites infection. It opens the door for infection. Same concept. Are we walking in a holy, reverent fear of the Lord that when we come into his presence, there's nowhere for that infection to take hold, to seep in? Again, are we dealing with our pride? Are we dealing with our sin? Are we worshiping his way? Remember, the Lord says the day will come that when my people will worship me in spirit and in truth. So having that be that ability to worship in spirit and in truth does mean that we have to deal with our stuff and it has to well up within us this holy reverent fear of the Lord, a healthy fear of the Lord. That is healthy fear. That is the only type of healthy fear is fear of the Lord. Okay, so that has to rise up. And with that, hear me. The love of the Father increases. Our ability to hear his voice increases. It opens the door for signs, wonders, and miracles. We make an impact on the world. You know, um, when Ananias and Sapphira died, what happened? We're told is that the people, there was fear of the Lord that went through. I would suggest that in our world, there's very little fear of the Lord. 
Okay, very, very little fear of the Lord. And so as we see this happening, what we see is not only is the body of Christ being brought to attention, but the nations are coming to attention and recognizing that there is a God. So let's let it begin with us. Okay, with us, that there is one true God. We need to um, open the door, ask him to teach us that reverent, holy fear of him so that we can grow in all the other areas also and present that to the world. Because it really struck me, again, what he said um, in the Old Testament, what he had said, um, where he says, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. There's a promise from God that as we come near him, he will display his holiness and he will display his glory. And how does he do that? Through you, through me, through his sons and daughters. So I want to encourage you just take a look at those passages today, but just spend some time with the Lord. Lord, what in my life is, is irreverent? What in my life keeps me from worshiping you the way that you want to be worshiped? What in my life actually doesn't look at you holy anymore? Um, you know, what do I need to deal with in my life so that I can come into that fear of the Lord so that I can learn from these stories? They're there in scripture for a reason. And that's for you and me so that we can grow in the Lord and in our relationship with him. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. Please share this number one, share it with others, spread the word. And um, also, again, please visit my website, ruthhendrickson.org. Just would love to have you just on there, take a look around. And then if you feel so led, join the email list and let's keep connected. Let's keep growing together with the Lord. Have an amazing day. You are an overcomer. You are loved by the Lord. And his, when he ta- when he shares these stories in scripture, it is not to, to take us down and out. It's always to encourage us to draw closer to him. But we need that balance of the fear of the Lord also. Be so blessed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to comment, like, review, and share it with others to help us reach more people. We also invite you to like and follow Ruth Hendrickson Ministries on Facebook or subscribe to the YouTube channel. We welcome your prayers and financial partnership to make this podcast possible. If you would like to financially support this ministry, please visit our website, ruthhendrickson.org.